Hi, I'm Kevin K. Shaw. This is Play Years. Thanks for listening. Although you'd much rather land on a hard surface, the ice sheets of Ultimus Scopuli would still be a welcome break from nine months of interplanetary travel. Upon landing, your first steps would feel very much like on any ancient glacier on Earth, except the sky here would be dimmer, and you'd be seeing it from inside a suit and through a visor, protecting you from a painful death without it. Everyone has studied this landscape many times, since the first indication there was water under this ice from the Surveyor satellite orbiting the planet. It was fortuitous that the international team of researchers at Cambridge decided to look again at the research done earlier. This time they compared it to the surface topography data, and by doing so, the comparison yielded something quite amazing in the laser altimeter numbers. The old thought was the Martian ice was frozen in time, directly to bedrock, but in fact, they found it is moving and sliding slowly and barely, but not entirely unchanging. And when comparing all the data over time and running simulations to help them make guesses as to causes, those researchers noticed and distinctly measured what could only be described as a slow undulation. On Earth, sheets of ice rise and fall as water moves. But as water slides between ice and bedrock, it causes the sheets above to sometimes descend in one spot, but rise in another. If the sheet is undulating, even slowly, then the data suggests that there is in fact water under this ice. And scientists have inferred that the southern pole of Mars might be geothermally active. So perhaps you are actually standing on a thin, icy crust above a vast, shallow sea. The only way to find out is to drill. Those words from your first professor in astrobiology still resonate. But all of these thoughts come and quickly go now that you are actually standing on Ultimus Scopili and feel that otherworldly crunch beneath your feet as you walk carefully on the ice. But if you take a moment after your long journey just to stand still, the vibrations and little pops that you feel under your feet aren't just from the clicking and creaking as your ship cools and settles from first entry. This is something different. And as you look down at the translucent blue ice, you can't help but think, there really might be something under here. You activate the giant precision drill under your ship by voice command, but otherwise everything is largely automated. The top of your spacecraft unfurls like a flower, with six petals of solar panels that will take in the sun and direct energy to where it's needed. Meanwhile, directly below the rocket's base, the boosters spread to reveal a tunnel from which a drill descends into the ice. Of course, it will need a few hours to superheat and begin its spin, so you consider exploring the view around you. But you've seen it all before. All the one-to-one -one augmented environments and simulations you've spent years training inside have already provided you with this exact view of the landscape, but in infinite resolution and with much more clarity. Plus, you didn't have to wear this sticky helmet in the sim. Nothing as far as your eyes can see across this admittedly breathtaking Martian landscape really matters. It's actually what's below the ice. That's the reason you've come 142 million miles away from your home and risked your life to do this. You've come to explore the unknown in the search of life. 
on Earth, my son was begging me to add yet another new aquarium decoration to his little semicircle-shaped three-gallon aquarium. Yet another accessory for his blue betta fish that he lovingly named Glider. Glider was a reward at the beginning of summer for his making it through the school year okay, and a pet fish reward was all he wanted. And we also thought it was a good opportunity for him to take care of a living thing. Back when we first got Glider, on the way home from the shop, my son saw the speed limit said 45 and asked how fast I was going. I told him I was going 40. He looked at the fish bouncing in the bag on his lap and he asked if I could go 12 the rest of the way home. I slowed down and looked at him in the rear view and remembered pretty much feeling the same thing when I brought him home from the city hospital eight years ago. And then came the flood of accessories that Baby Glider suddenly needed. A heater, food made out of shrimp, food made out of bugs, gravel, a pump, a filter, plants, decorations, a hot pink bonsai tree that didn't fit well at all, so now it's in a brown paper bag in the garage for some future opportunity, maybe in a larger tank, when my son requests that for Glider too. But there was this one final decoration. This was the last thing he wanted, he promised me. An eight-inch replica coral reef, basically the Disneyland of fish tank decor, host to a variety of vibrant colors and detailed shapes emulating a real reef, but in miniature, made of plastic and completely hollow, so Glider could venture inside and come out the back. Less than 10 bucks, shipped. In my son's eyes, this would be a home within his home for his little stringy blue betta fish. A new place for this little guy's fish to feel safe, or probably, in my son's eyes, a cool fort for Glider. Not that he didn't already have a small rock with a cave, which would have to come out to make room for this shiny new thing. We washed the new coral decoration when it arrived with just water and let it air dry. At night, we prepared to submerge it in Glider's tank, but at the last minute, my son couldn't do it. He looked terrified at the entire idea as if pulling out the old decoration and sticking this new thing in there was going to hurt Glider in the process. He was worried about his fish, who had meanwhile made his way to the surface and was spinning his fins at us, waiting for us to figure this out. I told him my grand plan. It was this. Pull out the old decoration and put in a new one. That's it. Nothing complicated. But his worry for Glider's well-being led him to directly and continuously question how well thought out this plan was. Further, he second-guessed my commitment to Glider's safety entirely, as if my plan was careless and destined to hurt his fish. And what good would a new decoration be for a dead fish? So finally, we agreed. I would be super careful with the entire operation, but only after my son and his sister brushed their teeth and went straight to bed. As promised, I would be careful not to mistakenly pull Glider out with the old decoration or crush him when I put in the new one and I'd be careful to wash my hands and just use water and no soap, which could also hurt Glider, and pretty much earnestly do everything else that made him feel confident again in his dad to not just kill it. In fact, that's what his worried eyes said without having to say it as he went to sleep. Please, Dad, don't kill it. The drill was heated and already a quarter mile down into the ice. The experience you are having now is probably similar to that of that very first diver that put himself inside an inverted bell and descended from the side of a ship into the warm waters of a sea. With only a small pocket of air above, he peered down into the blue unknown 
further into the depths than any man had ever seen. Maybe this is what the researchers felt back in 1973, when they discovered lying deep beneath four kilometers of Antarctic ice, there was actually an untouched ancient lake. Later, carefully, life was discovered in that lake. And even in that frigid, heavy, sunless world, life found a way. So venturing into the unknown to spot life under this ice on the southern pole of Mars wasn't too far a stretch of the imagination. And all the calculations from previous unmanned probes revealed this spot at a solid depth between one and two kilometers, but likely around one and a quarter. Aside from one other member still aboard the ship, now fast asleep in his bed hugging an overpriced stuffed animal squid, you are completely alone in this mission. But you do have autonomous robots that handle a variety of tasks to help you with everything. Everything except one important item. They cannot ensure the preservation of life. They can't manage their tasks and make sure for certain that if there is anything living under the ice, it won't die from this disruption. There's no algorithm to teach them what to do in a situation that involves the unknown. There's no way to prepare them to preserve life if they never studied and dissected and downloaded all available information. The preservation of life was never the job of technology. It was the job of mankind. Your job. And if not nominal, don't think you can call them mission control. They are a full 20 minute relay, which is still 19 minutes longer than it would take to kill all potential life under this ice if you aren't careful and aren't making the right choices. One misstep would be like a nuclear explosion of contamination. On Mars, and on Earth for that matter, with regards to new undiscovered life, just observing it could kill it. You aren't going to let that happen without proper observation and data collection first. Yes, you are an invader from another planet, but you aren't here to distribute blankets with smallpox to these natives. You're just a scientist, with no intentions to destroy the very life you came here to study. And like a good fisherman, just scan and release. And your role is needed in all of space exploration. As co-founder of the Institute for the Preservation of Extraterrestrial Life, it is more than just your job to preserve life as only humans can, but it's your purpose. Your observations could expand the universe much in the same way Galileo did, but through the lens of life. And to be the first to know with certainty, through direct observation, that alien life thrives on our closest red neighbor would open up the possibility that complex life thrives across the entire universe. And on a spiritual level, you're more than an astrobiologist or an astronaut. You're an extraterrestrial life's first contact with a compassionate human being, so long as you don't kill it. It was time for the operation. I washed my hands thoroughly with water, but I didn't use soap. I took off my ring too, as sometimes specks of bar soap get caught in there. I just wanted to make sure there was no foreign contaminants introduced that could kill my son's betta fish. I wanted to make sure he came out of this new introduction of a brand new habitat, unscathed and alive. And definitely not floating at the top when my son comes to feed Glider in the morning. That's the primary mission. When the time came, the operation itself didn't take very long, and it wasn't very spectacular. Glider just stayed on the other side of the tank watching everything. I released some air bubbles from the hollowed inside of the coral, and it slid nicely into place. It was done, and Glider appeared okay, and he hung back inside the plant staring at me, unsure, 
and definitely uninterested in his new decoration. Maybe later when I'm asleep too, Bladder will muster enough courage to venture into that dark coral cavern and come out the other side. And maybe doing that loop will make him happy. The drill finished hours ago, vacuuming up the final meter of ice melt so as to not contaminate the water below, if there even was water. A camera and microphone on an extending arm peered into the hole, and when you tuned in, you heard something you hadn't heard in months, the sound of sloshing water. There was a current perhaps making the sound, or maybe life thriving down there. On your command, 12 completely sterile, shoebox-sized underwater drones equipped with high-resolution cameras, LED floodlights, and autonomously controlled by AI, were all simultaneously lowered down the hole with a tether. After a long wait, there was a splash. It occurred to you that the splash itself could have killed potential life, and you chastised yourself for not ordering the operation to reduce speed to 25% at the 10-meter mark. Now that the present, rather than just planning, was unfolding, you would be more careful. There were things that were not planned for in this operation, you remind yourself, and that's why you're here. Back on the ship, on 12 monitors, are a dozen different views of the drones as they swim through the cold, dark waters in search of life. You've practiced this part a million times, from the first time your father took you fishing to advanced undersea simulations at the academy. You're also fast and precise and careful, which is why you were chosen. The worst outcome here, and a reoccurring nightmare of yours, would be to discover a beautiful creature in an ocean of Mars and inadvertently kill it. So you are prepared to abort if at any point there appears to be any living being in distress. Thankfully, Glider so far seems okay. He hasn't gone anywhere near the coral, and I think he's going to be all right. And in the morning, hopefully he'll be perky and excited to get his pellet breakfast for my son. And maybe he'll be peeking his head out from inside his new home when my son peers into his little tank. Maybe Glider will love his home and have fun with it, the way fish love and have fun. And maybe for a Siamese fighting fish given to a boy at the start of summer, that fun is just living, being. I think that's really all my son wants from Gladder's new addition, a chance at life. And despite seeing the news that the Martian landscape is decorated with litter, from all the tons of trash humanity has already deposited there over years of travel, and of course all the seas and aquifers that we've polluted back on Earth, and all the glaciers were melting, and despite all of humanity's accumulated waste in the name of progress with very little regard to potential life, except its own, and not even always then, the responsibility will rest solely upon you, humanity, when you finally arrive at Ultimis Scopili on the southern pole of Mars to consider how to protect what might be under the ice, and ideally in advance of your arrival. Because if we can't ensure we'll be able to preserve life that we find, should we even be looking for it? And what patterns of thought are we even teaching our children and the next generation with regards to life? Is it a privilege to be alive? Or is it made to be easily extinguishable in the womb or in the classroom with a gun? Is it right that some lives are considered more valuable and others discarded when not useful? Has life become so without substance that we might waste our one life not taking that opportunity to help another life? And what if we did look under the ice and found nothing and looked everywhere else too, just as we're doing now? and find nothing. 
no other life in the universe complex enough to compare to even a bird or a mushroom or a seedling of an oak tree. Is it just us and microbes? Are the microbes any less important, knowing where we came from? What life out there in the entire universe is more important than any other? Is it only the tropical rice paddies of Southeast Asia on Earth, the only place in the cosmos that could give rise to such a magnificent creature as Glider? Whether or not we act like it, so far, all we truly know is life is right here. So then, what are we really looking for out there? And why? For those that first arrive on that ice sheet, or wherever they might land on Mars or Europa, or another celestial body that might have life, hopefully these explorers might have learned that simple but valuable lesson about caring for life long ago. Maybe it was a good parenting decision, or an inspiring teacher, or a loved one that made you feel loved. Or maybe that first explorer will have learned how to care for life all on their own and despite their upbringing and indoctrinations. Or maybe, if they were lucky and did good in second grade, they might have learned empathy first in the form of a fish that they used to keep in a small three-gallon tank named Glider. Because if there is life somewhere else in this universe, besides our beautiful planet, then in our endless curiosity for the unknown and our ceaseless desire to explore, we should be careful not to kill it.